0: I told you that was an epic countdown, right? <laughs> it uh, was literally. They got that crazy music. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to uh, Recruiting is No Joke, episode eight. This is where we talk about what really goes on in recruiting. You guys know <laughs> me because I post a lot of memes. I like to joke around, but when it comes down to it, recruiting really is no joke. And this show is brought to you by Hirewell. And you can find all of these episodes on talentinsights.hirewell.com along with a bunch of other great content. So I'm going to put that in the link, but to everybody who's out there, we we want to make this interactive. So why don't you let me know, just say your name, the agency you're with, the company you're with, your role, just say hi at least, uh, and we'll get into it. We want to make this interactive, but I'm, I'm really excited today, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation, um, and a a conversation that's probably going to be full of uh, laughs and jokes, and I know we're going to have a lot of fun, Uh, but I want to welcome our guest, Clarice Tolston. and Clarice, why don't you give us just like an intro of who you are, a little bit about your background, and um, I always used to joke about this, but like, how did you fall into recruiting, unless you (laughs) planned it, maybe you planned it, but- uh, I did not
1: plan it at all, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you guys are from i'm clarice holston so my background in talent acquisition sits in really the recruiting space along with dei so i've worked in both domestic and global organizations so i do have a lot of like a wealth of knowledge of what we should do what we shouldn't do and how this thing is going to evolve how i got into recruiting is a great question it was 100 percent by accident it was not intentional I was an administrative assistant for a fashion house, and I was literally minding my own business, enjoying my job, thriving, glowing, living. And um, people used to come in when they would get ready for interviews, and I would prep them um, as far as like what they needed to say how, you know, and stuff like that. And so they would feel so good when they were gone. And so one of my managers gave me a development opportunity, which is how I became an office manager, which involves recruiting. So I started recruiting mm. in that space. And so um, I never looked back. And then I, I left that opportunity and I also landed at Microsoft, which I became an IT recruiter. And so I've been recruiting in the IT and healthcare space ever since.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, the hard thing is when we're talking about getting into recruiting, too, is so many people have like a very similar story where they just kind of yeah. like fell into it. So it's I'm getting a little bit more active on TikTok. I'm trying to like do tips on like how you can get into recruiting. Yeah, it's really hard to just. All right, you fall into it. All right, so just find someone so you know, but uh, obviously, um, it seems like recruiting is getting more and more popular in a destination that people want, you know, really want to pursue. So if there's anyone out there, that's that's, like looking to get into recruiting, um, please, I guess, from your point of view, like, what advice would you give to somebody and particularly it as well, because I got a lot of recruiters that maybe in like manufacturing or healthcare, Mm -hmm. and they kind of want to make that transition. So how how did you end up at Microsoft as well, like working you know working with with the team over there?
1: So I ended up there. I was having a maternity leave um, mm. for an admin, and so um, what I used to do is this is when you know you work at these big houses and they have you know, these very cool lunch areas. And so I used to hang out there all the time um, because I would do my boss's notes in that, that space. And so I would talk to all the app developers and everyone that was kind of in, you know, those rooms. And I would tell them about, cause I was excited about the projects we were working on which is for most of us, you know, feels like forever ago but the surface when it originally came out. And so I would talk to other um, people and that, you know, about the projects and they'd be like, oh, that's so cool. And then um, they're like, man, I'd love to work over there. And I'm like, you can, <laughs> all you need to do is, and it was by accident. It was never my intention to be like an internal corporate thief, but I would go to different groups. And so now when managers would see me talking to their staff, they'd be like, stay <laughs> away from her, she's gonna try to steal you. And so um, when my when the maternity leave had ended, that employee came back to the organization. Um, my boss said, you know what, you 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 would be really, you would do well in recruiting. Is there an opportunity here for you? Go down to HR and see if they had a role. And they didn't. And so I came back and said, you know, they don't have an opportunity, but you know, they will in the future and they'll let me know. And that's when I realized the dynamic of power. He literally made a call. He was, you know, up in the hierarchy of the organization. He made a call in like 30 seconds. A job appeared, (laughs) and I was the right candidate for the opportunity, so I stayed under his um, under his umbrella. But I was there now as a IT recruiter.
0: Yeah, well, I love that. I love just even, yeah, probably a good reason to be in the office. Even though I'm a big fan of being remote, I mean, (laughs) argument you could have for being in the office is just being able to network and meet with people and being intentional, which obviously you can do for sure. Well. and then now now the organization you're with right now you know we were talking a little bit about these new sites that you're opening up and i was looking on your website and it looks like you uh you got some really really challenging positions that you're working on like scientists and like lab techs and and those types of roles so yeah um, obviously we're reading about layoffs all the time and all of that on linkedin but in your role i mean how how are you trying to find candidates and like what are some of the things that are working for you because i know i've talked to a lot of people who are in healthcare for example and it's just it's just tough to find talent you know? yeah what 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 are you doing that you think's working or what what are you trying out that's maybe different to uh, advice that you could give to others that may be in that seat as well
1: yeah you're right so hiring microbiologists um all of these kind of very high scientific roles is tough. Mar- is a, it's in a tough market. So I kind of have to take it back to the old school because it's a unique sphere of the market. You do have to get on the phone. You do have to call. You have to dial for dollars. You do have to. I mean, people are great about technology. I'm a huge texter. So if anyone is not texting, um, that is definitely a way for you to connect. But I joined their communities. I have organic conversations with them. They're not these like very salesy, like, hey, come join our organization, but truly just making sure that I have the visibility in those spaces. And I also focus a lot on DEI, which I know we're gonna talk about a little bit later, but um, that's also a way because it's a way to outreach and look at people that are in the job market that aren't aren't specifically looking for your organization, but are great fits. And now they say, oh, now it's about widening the reach and looking at those people and saying like, there's some opportunities. A lot of the labs that I work with are startup labs. So for instance, you have an opportunity, you have to move there. So if you live in a large city, you're worried about inflation or you're looking at a change in your lifestyle, You know, those are the candidates that I look um, for too. And I also go to the layoff websites and see like where people are moving, where where changes are happening. I watched the Google feed for news. So once I found out that, that a lab, you know, that's not too far from me is maybe shutting down because they were high off COVID and COVID's over and, and the government's not paying those bills anymore. There's no guarantees. They might be looking for opportunities. So they're the first person I hit up. And usually they're like, yes, <laughs> when can I leave? I recently hired two very senior people in that way.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, BrightHire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore and my friends at BrightHire are here to help. BrightHire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. Wow. No, I love that. I mean, you got to stay on top of, of obviously what's what's going on around as well. Exactly. Um, so how... Obviously, um, with D, E and I, we were talking about that before, you know, the call and map. obviously it's yeah. a big focus, right, for a lot of companies. And I see stuff on social media. I see a lot of, like, campaigns. I see a lot of conversations going on. Um, but I think we both know in recruiting, there's a lot of things that uh, you just see or you're aware of that, um, you know, it probably isn't on social media or things that aren't you know, people aren't aware of. So... I'm curious, just from like from your standpoint, like as recruiters, what are some of the things that we can be doing um, to to really help, you know, create diverse cultures and and you know, obviously, while we're actually recruiting, like what are, what are some what's some advice that you have for us? as something that you've seen and uh, you know, as recruiters, that we can be doing.
1: So I think we have to change how we're shaping DEI as far as asking the question, because what we say and what senior leaders and C-suite executives hear are two separate things. We're saying we want DEI programs, but what they're hearing is like, how do we solve systemic racism? (laughs) And that's not what your job is about. Right. So DEI is really first of all, you have to have buy in. Before you do anything and real buy in, not not buy in from marketing, creating campaigns and ads where they have brown and black and indigenous people on them and saying, come work here. And then you actually come work there and find out that no one there represents you. Also, DEI represents that you need to be you need to have someone who's an advocate to you at all levels. So you can't just have your top one way and then have the rest of your organization and your foundation completely have a different demographic makeup. But DEI is really about it's bigger than just hiring people from certain ethnic backgrounds. DEI is understanding how your job descriptions look. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is we have a lo- we have so many job descriptions that say you need to have a masters it's for a clerk position. It's $16 an hour. Why on earth would we have a combination of those things? That's really your job description represents the culture of your organization. So if you have a long, lengthy job description, I'm not reading that. Like I'm looking for a job, not a dissertation. So I'm not going to read your two page ad that you posted. So it's like when you look at organizations that are trying to be more progressive, you see it on sources that aren't funneled and funded by the organization. You'll see it on someone's you know, you mentioned TikTok earlier, you'll see it on someone's oh, TikTok where they just show some show somebody where they work every day or just be like me and my coworkers or having some. That's part of the culture. That's the unspoken culture, not the one that's manufactured and sent out. DEI is about outreach. So job descriptions, looking at the way that we articulate what it's like to work into the organization is part of DEI making sure that we just don't hit all the mainstream platforms when we're looking for candidates, making sure we have a pipeline to HBCUs, looking at other organizations um, that have have a different population of people. But DEI is also about age. And so um, when you look at boardrooms, you know, people obviously do their research when they're looking at an organization. If you have your executive staff is more than two decades from the from the gross population of your organization, you're going to have a disconnect. Yeah. It's too. It's too big of a gap in between the two. So, um, so you have to have people from all backgrounds, all perspectives, and we're also talking about transgender. We're also talking about people that don't fit in what we call normal corporate corporate structures. So, all of those individuals that are there when we're looking at DEI is just think about. I want, first of all, as a recruiter, you want to work in an environment where your views are respected and you want to work in a place where other people are going to thrive. Because we spend so much time at work, we have to be in spaces where we are at least happy. I lose that word very loosely. <laughs> we are getting paid to be there. But um, when you're looking at DEI, it, it's not hard to connect with your local universities, your local programs, and do and focus on early career education and transition. So you're looking at new grads that are coming into the organization um, how they how they would fit into your culture and how they would thrive in your culture, not just get hired. So DEI is really a big, it's a very big program. That's why it's hard to articulate that to staff. So when we say we want to have DEI initiatives, people say, "Perfect, we'll have we'll on Juneteenth, we'll have a celebration," because that's what they hear. But that's not really what people are asking. People You've are got asking. gotta post no about what, it now, happens.
0: too. I mean you gotta yeah obviously Pop. you gotta you gotta post about it on all the socials too right i mean that's what that's right I think exactly that's like, think. Hey,
1: you gotta wear your shirt everything
0: what about um okay because like when i think about most recruiters right and this is just from like lots of conversations with recruiters and and uh you know i, I think like linkedin seems to be a big go-to right for for sourcing yeah. candidates so like how you know when you're coaching and training your team what i guess other Types of platforms and 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 kind of strategies do you have like other than just going to LinkedIn, which I think um, is kind of the go-to for for most recruiters.
1: I mean, I think all right. Indeed, LinkedIn, Glassdoor, you know, um, when it, so depending on the level. Right. So the higher the level, I, I we want to get a culture, like a sense of the pulse of that organization. So for me, it's like I like I said, I'm pretty faithful to looking up like sites that where people are having layoffs. I follow the news. Then I'll, I'll go look at that company, that organization, see what's happening. Look how many new hires look at their. I think LinkedIn gives away a lot of good information. They give you a lot, a lot of good intel as far as what's going on in that particular organization if they have 50 new senior executives like they just had a restructure or they just you know or something there happened in the merger space so it's kind of so it's kind of easy to read in between the lines and try to make sure that you are you are focused on that but i think you know i know people say uh, like jessica in our chat said cold calling all day i'm not a huge fan of cold calling right i'm like i'm i'm okay with warm calling i'll cold t- i'll cold I'll, i might do a cold text to you but i'm not i'm not definitely not going to just like hit you up right um you know and so old school
0: dialing for dollars
1: i've done that too you know um especially in the it space because it's so competitive and people are trying to figure out they're getting so many emails they're getting so many text messages they're getting so many linkedin requests so if you call them and i'm like hey Joel, i have an amazing opportunity for you and i'm not be sounding like a, a used car salesperson, they're most most likely going to re- be responsive to that And if they aren't responsive to that, the best part of that conversation, especially if it's organic, they'll give you a referral. I hired a C-suite executive based off a referral.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, look, referrals and and networking are always going to be going to be powerful. I'm I'm curious. We got a question here. uh, Chris just asked, and I don't know if you can see the chat, but he just said, what skills industries can be a strong base for an employee who may not be a perfect fit? And how can we expand our our candidate pools? Which... uh, I think is a, is a you know a, a good question there chris so curious Chris, like what your thoughts are with that and like how
1: was well, a question what skills industries can be strong based for an employee who may not i mean it depends on like it depends on the industry right so obviously we need more context as far as like what so i don't know if chris if you could if you could send the follow-up to like what what industry we're talking about because if we're just looking at like let's let's take the example of a corporate five corporate fortune 500 Um, A lot of times there's a lot of entry level roles that are probably a good fit for people who aren't sure what they want to do and haven't developed their skill sets yet and haven't really got an opportunity to have exposure to certain things. Um, So anywhere from HR, where we said recruiting, um, marketing, those are also going to be great places for people to kind of start and figure out what it is they're really good at, especially if they have a degree in something or they don't have a degree uh, in something um, that is going to be unique for the organization. I think. Um, I hate when people say like follow your passion, follow you know follow your joy. I think people need to be realistic. I think they need to follow and figure out what they're really good at at least eighty percent of the time and pursue things that are in alignment with that.
0: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I think I, I'd be curious to see what what Chris says about that. I think you know from my perspective, if you're going to be looking at somebody who isn't you know a, a perfect fit for a role, right. I mean, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I think candidates really need to be aware of is being able to tell their story and being able to make um, you know make it really really clear. Like if you have skills that aren't a match for a job, being able to, to yeah. look at the skills that you do have and then understanding right. the role that you're applying for and then being able to just explain like, hey, you know, I don't have you're asking okay. for this. I don't have that. This is what I have. and This is how it fits in. So I think a lot of that is on the candidate, but I do think as you know, as recruiters, obviously we we play into that. Um, what you know?
1: Well, I actually I, so to answer Chris's question, I think I, I misunderstood his question. So I think you have to prep your candidate a hundred percent. Like I don't think you should let you know how I, I'm pretty sure some of you guys work at agencies, and when you see an agency candidate versus an internal recruiters candidate, completely different uh, way that they're presenting them. I think you have to prep the candidate. I think you have to prep the hiring manager and make sure that that presentation is clear to how those skills are relatable because managers are lazy. We know this. They are going to look, and if they don't see it, 50 keywords on the first page of the resume, they're going to be like, oh, this person isn't a fit for the role because they're not looking, they're not thinking outside the box. So our job is to think outside the box and make sure that we make sure that those skills are um, all crossed off and that they are articulated, especially if we're using different language.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Well, Becca, uh, and I don't know, Chris, if you have any more insights too, and if you want to clarify a little bit of the question. I mean, that was that was kind of my take from his question, but uh,
1: okay.
0: I'm 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 curious on, um, you know, in terms of like how you interview and screen candidates, and you know, what what are you doing? I guess in that screening and interviewing candidates that can help with uh, uh, DE and I as well. Like, how how can we kind of like change our interview and like, what? what's your guidelines for, for being able to screen candidates as well, if, if that makes sense?
1: So you need to have, an, the hiring manager has to be an ally in that process, right? Because they can be very close. They're busy. First of all, recruiting is 100% of our job. Their job is being the head of marketing, being the head of you know compensation or or whatever their role may be. So I look at it in the perspective of making is get is trying to align them with being an ally in the first place, thinking outside the box, thinking about their own career path and opportunities that were given them. So when I look at candidates, I make sure that every every candidate, if I'm if I'm submitting five one of those candidates have a diverse background for sure. Um, and so the more time they have visibility, it starts neutralizing and desensitizing the shock of that person not having X, Y, and Z. And so then we look at the makeup of the team. Numbers numbers are important. Data and information is important. You have to have the information to start off with. So that's where I start off to, in the beginning, getting the right amount of data to see where the deficiency even sits then using that data as a, as a recruiting tool as a marketing tool to say like hey we really have we've got some very stereotypical roles here and we have these types of people in them. How about we broaden, you know, that scope or bring new energy in here? Sometimes it, it works against you because sometimes we downgrade roles. Sometimes a hiring manager will downgrade a role to match someone's skills and personalities, mm. but also following up on those candidates. You have to go on your wins. So if you hire someone that is amazing based on the fact that they were willing to take that risk, that's your win. And that's what I go on. I say, you know, you remember Tom from marketing. Now he's, you know, head of head of sales or head of commercial or head of business to business. So you have to use your wins as kind of credibility to say, this does really work. I know you think it doesn't because everyone needs to come from Harvard. Everyone needs to come from USC or UCLA, but that's not really the case. We've got some great people here who went to community college that are rock stars. And here's why, because we invested in them. They had drive. They were a good fit. They had a can do attitude and they came up here and rolled up their sleeves and did the work.
0: So, I mean, what, I guess when you're dealing with hiring managers what are some of the the big objectives that, that you get like while you're trying to to do this so like and then how do you get them on your side and like to understand you know cuz I cuz I feel like we get a lot of pushback anyway as recruiters <laughs> you know like absolutely just all, all the time no so like it. yeah so like I guess how do you obviously you mentioned like presenting data which I think is is you know really uh, really smart as well but like how I guess what advice do you have for people just to, to be able to, like, just overcome these objections, which which are coming from hiring managers and and like, how do you get them on board uh, as well? Like, what are some other strategies that you've used?
1: Be annoying. I feel like you, you're going to have to be annoying because if people feel like you're not you know, you don't really believe what it is that you're trying to sell them either. And so I think you have to be consistent. And once you have that credibility, it's just to be persistent and say, hey. You know, I know you think this is, you know, I know you feel like this is gonna be the great candidate, but look at your team. You gotta pull data, you gotta be resourceful. You can't come to people and just try to share and get them to convince them of your ideas. You have to pull, you've got eight people on the team, you've got two people with this background, three people that excelled. This is your internal mobility based on that department because managers want to see why they should buy into your crazy theory of hiring people that aren't an exact fit in their head. And then the person gets there if the person is successful our job doesn't end as recruiters we're just not like it depends on what type of organization you guys work in but for in my roles um it's recruiting doesn't end when they start or after the 90 days that whole process of recruiting because now you have to internally recruit them for retention so that they stay within the organization so a part of that is really uh, doubling down on the fact that what what you do have is dei initiatives. When corporate people put that out and it's a marketing campaign, use that to your advantage and say, "Hey, you know, I know we're really focused on DEI this mm-hmm. year. Here are some opportunities that you know that I was thinking of. You know, I partnered with the school, and we have to do the work. We can't just say like it would be a good idea too. I was thinking about this. It's like, hey, I partnered with um, with University of Riverside. They have a great program there for math skill assessment. Their pre grad, their their graduate team is going to be doing this." You know, i wanted wanting to send some slides over because maybe we can we, that could be a potential pull for us. And when a hiring manager is not hiring, we need to plant the seed about DEI.
0: Yeah. No, all all amazing uh, tips here as well. And I know uh, Nitty here, she had a question, uh, which I, I think you know I'd love to get your take on it too because you're managing a team okay. of recruiters. Um, she said, "What do you suggest a day in an efficient recruiter's life looks like uh, in terms of managing their time?" Uh, and I'm super curious too, just from your take on this, especially with like mm-hmm. high volume, you know, and some or kind of like it looks like you got like a mix of like high volume searches and then really kind of like niche, like specialized searches. So like, how do you coach your team on managing their time internally? What what are some tips that you have?
1: Um, a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but I believe this wholeheartedly. Can you hear me, okay, Joel?
0: Yeah, I can. I'm hear make you sure fine. you're not.
1: OK, perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't read emails in the beginning of my day. <laughs> I don't start my day logging onto my emails, usually for me. And for those of you guys who are in management, what I usually do on Sunday evening and not for a long period of time, I take out about two hours to plan my week. Um, I, I look at all the meetings. First of all, my day is 90 percent full of meetings. So I so I have to I have to keep in mind, you know, keeping that perspective. So I plan my week. I think being organized, planning your week and figuring out what your priorities are. I look at positions that I know that I'm closer to feeling and that would be my Monday. So I know that I'm I'm close
0: Oh. Looks like we're having a couple of technical difficulties. I don't know if that's on my side. Let me see. Alright guys. I don't know uh, if we're having some difficulties on my end or what's going on. Let me see. Preparation is key. Okay guys, can you can you see me on here? I don't know if this is on my end or if it's Clarice. Hopefully we'll get her
1: back. There it goes.
0: There we go. All right, are we are we all good?
1: Can you hear me? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can hear you. All
1: right, sorry about that, guys. So, um, I look at um the positions that I'm close to feeling. Those are the positions that I focus on Monday or Tuesday with my team. I look at positions that are at what level they are. Um, I look at high volume. I try to break it out, almost compartmentalize which positions um, we should be focused on. And that's kind of how I play out the week. I also set aside some time to do phone screening, follow up and relationship building with certain candidates in certain communities. And I make sure um, I run reports. Thursday is like my admin day. So I run all my reports, all reports on the effectiveness of where the recruiting ads are, where people are um, clicking um, my clicked ratio to hire. I look at different positions that people um, have transitioned to, I read my retention reports. So I try to spend at least one day just straight admin, and then broken up by how many um, how many positions I have.
0: Very cool. No, that's uh, that's great advice. So I mean, obviously, like time blocking, making sure that your your time is planned is is massive. Uh, curious too, like what in terms of uh, yeah, I know we mentioned this a little bit, like social media and and. Uh, Oh, Luster again. Well, guys, I apologize for the uh, the technical difficulties we're having here. Um, guys, if you have questions too for Clarice, when she gets back, I would love to hear any of the questions, but I will just take this as an opportunity to say hi uh, to people that we have signed on here. So uh, Sarah, it's always good to see you. Uh, Kalyana, if you're there, great to see you. Brittany, Chris, Ken, uh, really great to see you guys. And, uh, yeah, if you've got questions, let us know, David. Yep. And hopefully we'll be coming back here. There you go.
1: Yeah. My goodness. I haven't kicked off twice. They don't want me to get the message out to the people.
0: <laughs> it's that storm. Honestly, I mean, I don't know what, what it is. It's, it could, it could be my internet. I, I really don't know. Hopefully, yeah. Cause I not. keep
1: checking mine. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, so that uh, hopefully answer that question. Did anyone ask the question while I was gone? Thank you. Welcome.
0: Uh, I'm not sure if we, we got any, any other questions I was gonna, I was just gonna ask in terms of, and maybe you covered that when, uh, when we got kicked off, but just in, in terms of like social media and things like that, like how much, um, are you guys using, you know, like things like TikTok and LinkedIn for, for, for marketing and, uh, and like reaching candidates as well.
1: And this current role zero because of the candidate base, right? Because of the employee base that I really target. Um, they're like, no, we, <laughs> they're not, they're, they won't be in those places. But in my previous roles, we used to hi- we, hire, we used to hire a lot of recruiters from Facebook. Mm-hmm. So re- nurses spent a lot of time on Facebook and we were able to really utilize that for a lot of positions. Um, also like for certain like outlet sites. Um, we did a lot of marketing in that way to fill retail positions. So so there are certain roles I think that are really tied to that. Um, residents, people who are going to spend a lot of time on those sites, I definitely would recommend adding to your budget to sponsor those ads, so that you have an opportunity to um, to connect with that base that's not going to be on LinkedIn, not going to be in Indeed, and especially someone who hasn't been on the market for a long time. They're not. They're, they don't even know. They don't even know what those sites do. And sometimes you'll talk to C-suite executives, and they're like, "What is Indeed?" And you're like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Never mind so um, so you want it so I think depending on the the degree of the level you you're gonna have different avenues but right now currently zero um, a few years ago um, I see I, I see the increase in it but I think for me if I even see something like that on an ad I'm like delete or what or report I don't want to see this while I'm on Instagram but I do I do believe it's effective but not in the way that you're mentioning it. I think it's effective when it's organic and it's truly someone who's happy at their job and they're doing a fun thing 100%. at work and then i'm like oh that's cool if a headhunter reaches out to me and says hey i have this really cool opportunity i go to instagram i go to TikTok first and see who else posts organically about their company and i'll look at that post and I, and it, if the post says this is the most toxic place i've ever worked i'm like oh okay well i probably won't be pursuing you know too much of that um too much of that but I try to look at it from that perspective. Like, if it's organic, it's effective. If it's from marketing and it's like this very polished way of like, we love it here. You would too. I probably won't.
0: No, I. I mean, I talk about this all the time. I think, you know, when when I look at like recruitment marketing versus like employer branding, I think what you're what you're describing is it's that employer branding. Like everything looks perfect and like I saw something on a website because I'm doing a lot of prospecting right now. So I'm like looking at like who's hiring and what positions there are. And this website was like, they had a quote, like, this is the happiest place I've ever worked. Or like, this is the greatest job I've ever had. And I'm like, I don't, but like, I'm not gonna buy into that. I'm not gonna buy no. into like really polished stuff because I just yeah. know that that's not reality. But what I love that you said was it's like that organic, like, hey, you're you're' actual, the people who are actually working are posting about their right. job and their lives because they just actually enjoy it as, as it's not something that's planned so and i think we're going to see more and more about of that because you know i'm pretty engaged on TikTok, for example and we do see a lot of that where people are just like documenting their lives and they're talking about work right um curious like too like just in in terms of at least with the the candidates that you're recruiting Mm -hmm. have you seen a shift in just how people are prioritizing work and and you know, kind of like their work life and how, how have you seen that kind of just evolve over the last couple of years with the candidates that you're working I with? I mean,
1: I've seen it so I will I'll give an example, then I'll use my own life <laughs> as an example. So I see it when you look at retention, right? When you read those retention reports, when you read the exit interviews, you know, when you read in between the lines and you know um and when someone leaves and says, you know, I want more work life balance or I'm looking for something that, you know, could that that I'm excited about, like I'm just bored in this role. Um, and so I think people have lost their their passion. You know, I know we talk a lot about like quiet quitting and people, you know, who just aren't energized enough to be here. I think some organizations have made it very difficult for people to enjoy being at work and they just got burned out. And were like, no, thank you. I can I can do this from the, like uh, from the comfort of my home or I can do this in an environment where I really feel inspired to do this work. And especially for people who have very technical jobs, you know, you can get the the mundaneness of that can get really Old really quick, and so I think you know we focus on external recruiting, but a lot of it needs to be internal recruiting and continuing to build momentum and you know in a lot of our and a lot of different roles that we have.
0: So how I mean I, I love it, this term too, uh, internal look recruiting for uh, for retention. Um, what, what like what role do you play in the recruiting team? Because I'm I, when I think of recruiting, obviously I think a lot more external. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so like, what are those things that you're doing to actually? kind of foster those relationships and, and build up that retention.
1: So it's what I mentioned earlier, it's like recruiting doesn't end when someone starts, like recruiting doesn't end when they get to their 90 days. Recruiting is really, we are the gatekeepers of the culture, of, of an organizations culture, right? We are really gatekeeping that and bringing people in from different aspects. I think really true check-ins, you know, I talk to people The what I like about talent acquisition and recruiting versus HR is that people are honest with us. Mm. Like because we don't we don't have any skin in the game. You know, it's like it's not like we're going to go run and be like, hey, I spoke to so-and-so and he doesn't he's not happy about the lunch. Like, you know, <laughs> we, we don't have any skin in the game. Right. So for us, people can be truly that's why when we first talk to candidates, we can get an honest assessment of them because they're not putting on the facade to talk to the hiring manager yet. They haven't got to the part where they have to put on their corporate face and be like oh yes and i loved um when i was in the sales team so we we get the truest sense of who they are when they are interested into an opportunity and and how i maintain that is constantly you know doing true check-ins not these like written scripted like hey so tell me do you see yourself staying here the next six months i'm like hey i'm like did your kids get adjusted with you in these new hours you know mm-hmm. how are things going with you know that do you have all the tools i can put in an it ticket right now if you're missing that oh you don't have that and showing them that they still supported even after they've accepted that opportunity and so it's whether they have the right you know tools technology something's going wrong and they just haven't they're new right they don't often speak up and say like hey uh, i have a crappy laptop say less I'm calling. It, I, you'll have one in two hours. And having those relationships um, to make sure that they feel supported long after they join the organization is part of the internal culture. Saying that I'm just not going to drop you off and and say good good luck. <laughs> Your HR's problem now, whether it works works out or not. I have a job. It's doing that. Those 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 organic check-ins. How you know? Because you learn a lot about them when you're doing the during the recruitment process. So if they change for the commute, we'll be like, how's the commute now? Like, is it better? Oh, do you pass that Starbucks on the way in? Um, You know, just simple things so they can feel included. And it's not fake small talk, like, you know, and it's not scripted. It's really getting a sense of it. Because sometimes they'll be like, I really don't like my manager. I'll be like, Mm -hmm. okay. And now I know that person, I have a six to nine month window before that person finds another opportunity and leaves and there is a gap. Um, in that role, unless there's a shift with that manager or that team. So, or they'll say, I thought it was like this, but it's really like that. And I don't, I I took this job because I wanted to get away from that. And as soon as I got here, it was like a bait and switch. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to, what's going to be like when they're with the hiring manager. We just know the job description we know the environment we know the culture but we don't know what that day-to-day life really looks like and so sometimes i'll say is there another opportunity within the organization you could you probably could see yourself in and sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no
0: yeah Now i, mean, I think having those conversations and having it not scripted is really where you see uh the, the true power of that And i think a lot of times like i think we've all seen it right where you get the surveys or you just kind of get
1: right
0: i don't know to me it's like, I mean, I guess like surveys aren't bad within themselves, but it yeah. can just feel like really kind of like going through the motions. Like, oh, we know we should yeah. do that. But I love that you're actually building those, those relationships long-term. Um, I'm curious, and I haven't asked anyone this on the show, but I'm mm-hmm. curious at your take on this, uh, a, a topic that comes up all the time on LinkedIn is um, this whole green banner uh, <laughs> for open to work. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, like your take on that. Like, it, it, what's your take on, on the green banner? Like, if you're open to work, should you display it? Like, you see any reason you shouldn't? Like, what, what are your thoughts around that?
1: I, I mean, I think finding a job is such a personal, intimate, <laughs> private, you know, thing, because you have different motivations of why you want to leave. And I feel like if you're comfortable sharing it, that you should also be comfortable sharing it with the people you work for. Like, I'm looking, just to, just FYI. I hate it here. I'm trying to find something that's a better fit for me or work from home or something like that. I think I don't I personally wouldn't I personally wouldn't recommend it because people come from very different types of organizations and I think unfortunately for those people who come from I hate using the word toxic because I feel like we use that too much, but come from environments where they will fire you or come from environments where they'll start, you they'll start bullying you for wanting to leave, or you know, someone on the C-suite, you know, screenshots it and sends it to your manager. I think it creates a lot of conflict. Hopefully, we get to a place where we can work in environments that say, like, I thought this was a really good opportunity when I started, but I've had some life changes and I I feel differently now and I want to utilize my time differently. And so I got to work from home. I'm looking for a work from home opportunity because mm-hmm. that gives the manager the opposite, the opportunity to pivot and say, are you, can you work, can you come in the office twice? Yeah. That would be, you know, so hopefully we get, and that's why DEI is so important is because we want to make sure that we work in environments where we can accommodate the people, not just our rock stars because our, our, our medium players can become rock stars if we give them the opportunity and the flexibility to do their job well in an environment where they thrive.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's uh. it's an interesting that, uh, CEOs would even, even do that, but obviously it go, it, you know, it happens. Right. Um, I was, I was gonna, gonna ask too, uh, you based it, like we had a conversation last week with somebody from Zapier and, mm-hmm. and she had actually put into play, uh, like a program, like what you're talking about where like you could actually go and like, if you're looking to leave, like you could have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and she said that it has been, has been effective, um, in terms of like, you know, hey, I'm looking to leave. Are there any internal opportunities that I could could have, you know, right. and that's kind of why they look first to see if they can but then also it gives give them the heads up. So is that something that, that you've that you've been able to, to do as well, like within your organization? Well, not, or is that something
1: not this current organization, but we do stay interviews and it gives them the opportunity to say so say someone starts and they're in the process of getting their degree or certain certification. And then a year later they have that degree and that certification. Well, now they want to move up, but we don't, but maybe there's a ceiling or there's a small team that they don't have those opportunities on. So I also, so yeah, so stay interviews are helpful because they'll say, hey, I do have my bachelor's now and I want to move to the marketing team or I want to move to HR or I want, I just got my PHR or my certification and I want to move. So stay interviews are important. Um, if, If people are in an environment, to be honest,
0: well, that's a whole thing. Right. And that's, that's hard. It's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to know if you're getting into one of those environments until you're really in it. And, uh, right. you know, and then I think a lot of organizations say that they want to know what's going on, but then when you actually share, um, you know, it's, it's, it's challenged because people will, uh, they'll put a target on your back. And uh, also asked, um, I don't know if you saw this question, but she just said, yeah. how do you handle the pressure, From your internal clients, so like hiring managers while working on requirements and then what are some of the some of the best strategies that you've had to kind of maintain that relationship like while you're so I I would take this question as like. You work on a super hard search taking Mm -hmm. a long time, like how do you manage that pressure with those really tough searches and then kind of balance in that relationship with the hiring manager as well
1: so i'm a very i'm a very relationship driven person so if i have a position and i have a few now (laughs) where they are very difficult they're very high level they're very executive they come with like you know salary equity all these very complicated things is in regards to a package so for the hiring manager i send i don't want to say daily updates because i'm lying i tend at least by like if they at least get hit three times a week with like Hmm we've seen what has happened i also think it's important to also add who you've interviewed and their feedback because sometimes there's a theme there and they need to see that in writing because me telling you that you are hardwired to be biased <laughs> and me sharing with you tell versus you know versus me sharing you with that data i think is very helpful so i keep a running report and i share it just individually with that particular hiring manager about what's going on i also add market data Um, so they can have a sense of what's happening. I had a really tough finance role that was really hard because people were like, I'm not driving. I'm not coming in anywhere. There are thousands of work-from-home jobs, and I'm going to pick one of those versus how much ever you're paying me. And so I pulled some of that data from Indeed, and they were right. There were like 800 new work-from-home jobs that had just opened that week. Mm. So that person had a a competitive salary, um, competitive, competitive company and organization to work in, but refused to go from home. So sometimes... It's like the hard truth. Now, you do have to have the relationship with them even if it's a tough one, even if they don't like you. Is I'm still going to constantly communicate to you what's happening with your requisition, different timelines. I'm going to I'm going to be proactive in that role too and like I'm going to look at your calendar. Okay, you have some openings on Thursdays. I'm going to try to get these candidates on Monday to fill those slots on Thursdays. So I already have that in my mind, but also keeping track of their feedback. If you have a manager that says, "Oh, I don't like that person. Why?" And it just can't be like, they're just not a fit. Why aren't they a fit? (laughs) That's
0: such a classic.
1: You got to keep going, you know, because you have to get to the core of what you don't like. And sometimes hiring managers, if you have that relationship with them, will be like, I know this person from another organization and I don't like them. That's better. Good. Now we're on the path. Tell me that versus telling me that they're not a good fit for a role. So um, so building that rapport with them, because I think you need credibility more than likability. So if you have credibility, if you're credible, that goes a long ways versus whether or not they like you. And that pressure turns into like that pressure that they that they're putting on you turns into obviously you're going to turn up the volume and you're going to work a little bit harder. You're going to do a little more searching. You're going to go back to those bowling searches that you used to do when you first started recruiting, and you're going to find them great candidates that way. But constant communication, being proactive, scheduling time, scheduling weekly meetings on their calendar putting forth candidates, you know, on a regular basis in front of them and allowing their feedback to be verbalized and written down in communication will allow them to see like, oh, I do only like certain people from this certain background. So and- do you,
0: so, so then are you actually like then conducting like these interview kind of feedback surveys, mm-hmm. it sounds like. So you're, is that with like every candidate that, that interviews yeah. or like how, yeah, how do you work that?
1: only did well like hard to fill positions and high level positions you know usually so i'm going to say if you are vpn below probably not right unless unless you be unless you have become a hard to work with manager then i start capturing your feedback Mm -hmm. or none or i'll say yeah you did you didn't provide feedback and that's why we're in the situation we're in (laughs) um and just saying you don't like them or you don't like the format of their resume is not a legitimate reason to disqualify them as a candidate And I think we have to be brave in saying those things as well, because we can't just say, Oh, okay, well, I'll just find you more people. And then you keep, you're running circles and you're working twice as hard for something. And instead of being strategic and saying, I need a little bit more detail, the formatting, because people are applying to an ATS. They may have used a different site to create their job. So when it pulls from the ATS, it might look janky and that's fine. You know what I'm saying? If it looks a certain way. So being able to, um, be honest with them and say i can have them resend their their resume word
0: yeah no i love it and some i think some, one of my other connections had asked about uh about those types of surveys as well so hey i know we are running uh low on time as well oh, no. we've gone over time probably oh. so uh i uh i really appreciate you uh, obviously taking time out of your day to, to meet with us and uh i would uh I, i'd love to just end um with yeah, we you've given so much great advice, but I'd love to love to just, I guess, give some parting wisdom, particularly if somebody is in a position which I think, you know, can can happen pretty easily. But let's say you're in a role um, where you are spearheading a lot of the DE and I like mm-hmm. work, and you know maybe you you kind of had alluded to it at the beginning, but maybe you're in there with like leadership that's saying. Or maybe the CEO at the top is going, "Yes, I'm really about this," but there's like layers of middle management that are just not on board, um, and you're just feeling kind of alone. Like, what would be your advice to somebody in that position right now?
1: I think you have to be brave and 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 say, "I really, if we're really going to do this, we really need to do this, and we we don't need to do it in lip service and putting black dots on our Instagram." But how is a way that we can really feel connected, and what outreach are we really doing? And, you know, if and what are you open to? What's where where where's your bandwidth for this? Because if it's important to you, I want to make it a priority when I when I look at recruiting and I want to make sure that we have the right partnerships in place. I want to make sure that we have the right alignment in place. And I also need education to come to our hiring managers so that they feel more open to make those decisions, because we all know this. If the C-suite says something, we just all do it. Okay. Okay. We'll just, we'll just do this. So having them to buy in and then socialize the idea about DEI, have the hiring managers to be educated on their hardwired biases and to make sure we have the right partnerships, outreach and platforms to make sure that we hire and we have a diverse organization with different perspectives.
0: I love that. Well, awesome advice. And uh, I, you know, where can people find you where it's good for people to connect with you. And uh, I'm sure, you know, hopefully you get some connection requests, but are there any other Places that you're active outside of LinkedIn, like where's the best place for people to find you?
1: Definitely, LinkedIn is the best place for you to connect. And um, right now, I'm a mentor for Sherm for our local chapter. So if you guys are looking, you know, if you guys are leaders in your field, definitely volunteer to be mentors. That makes you better leaders. Um, but definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to have more conversations, even if don't try to sell me anything either. If you have, if you are LinkedIn, um, definitely let's connect. Let's have conversations about recruiting. How we can all support each other and socialize. The best ways to impactfully um, execute DEI.
0: No, I love that. Well, guys, definitely connect and follow uh, Clarice here. And I really appreciate your time again. And uh, everybody, I thank you for tuning in. We had so many people uh, participating, which is uh, which was great to see. I know I see Maureen there, Vishwa, Nity, Sandra david laura linkedin member i never know who the linkedin members are but that's
1: okay <laughs> it's because they it, have the green banner they're looking for work
0: yeah, yeah. so you know i think it's like privacy privacy settings and then because oh, it's, okay. it's actually on linkedin it's like done through a third party it won't let them but anyway we've got laura uh chris you had some great comments in there too uh sarah again great to see you so yeah guys i really appreciate it and we will be here next week i will uh make the announcement of of who we'll have on the show. But if you want to catch any more of the previous shows, you can go to the Talent Insights series on the Hirewell website, which I'll post in the links. Uh, And this will be available for replay on my uh, LinkedIn page, as well as the talentinsights.hirewell.com. And then we'll also be uploading this to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. So see you guys soon. And Clarice, we will uh, hopefully talk soon.
1: All right. Bye, guys. Have a great day.
0: See you guys. And now it's just me.